our God, we ask for your Holy Spirit to be among us and with us and in us this morning as we contemplate and discuss the miracle of your resurrection. And I pray most earnestly that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together will be acceptable to you, for you are our Lord and our Redeemer. Amen. Every Saturday before Easter for the last 30 years, I'm not kidding, my father, the original Reverend Nepstead, calls me and says, what are you preaching on? <laughs> and then he says, I hope you are going to cover politics. Presbyterians do believe in being current and in events and involved with issues. And I said, no, we're not talking about politics because we want joy and unity. And then he usually says something like, well, I hope you're talking about the condition of the world. And I said, we'll pray about it later, but we want joy and unity. And you know, he called yesterday and did not say any of those things. And I thought, oh, how wonderful. And then my brother called. <laughs> and he said, what are you preaching on? I hope you're preaching about Trump. I said, are you kidding me? I would not touch that with a 10-foot pole. What we're preaching about today is the risen Christ, and what I'm starting off with is to talk to you about Easter candy. <laughs> I really am. There, uh, when I was growing up, there was a candy that appeared in our basket on Easter morning that was really bad candy. And I'm talking about a baby boomer's memory here. There was a certain Easter candy that no one wanted. And if you found it, it was kind of used as filler so that the good stuff was seen more clearly, like the bunnies, like the marshmallow eggs, and the good jelly beans. But the bad candy was a misshapen egg, and it had a hard candy coating, and it had white stuff inside, and it was all different colors, and it looked good, and it tasted awful. Do you remember these things? So why am I remembering this in such detail, a candy that I haven't seen around in decades? Because I'm pretty sure that if I saw it again, it would bring tears to my eyes. Let me explain. Not for the candy, but for the era it represented. That stupid, awful candy symbolized a beautiful time of year. And somehow, in my childhood mind, I connected that candy with the fact that Jesus is alive. So what I'm talking to you about is a spiritual memory. And there's a difference between spiritual memory and strictly human efforts to recall events. Spiritual memory captures the truth about God. Everything we have ever learned about the Lord, whether we realize it or not, stays with us. Spiritual memory is actually generated by the Holy Spirit himself. Someone very close to me decided a long time ago that he didn't need to believe in the resurrection anymore. He actually said, I have evolved beyond it. But as he nears the end of his life, he listens to old hymns and weeps. And there's an old Swedish hymn, Children of the Heavenly Father, that does him in. Spiritual memory has taken over his need to negate the faith. Spiritual memory is beyond positive. It is downright hopeful. 
The cynical part of us says there are some things that we are foolish to be hopeful about. Fools are hopeful about things. Spiritual memory is always hopeful. And it's because it's generated, its origin is the Holy Spirit and not human agenda. And the New Testament makes it abundantly clear that to rely on human memory and understanding will get us nowhere and possibly be destructive in our lives. Every time we willfully decide to revisit wounding, painful life episodes, we alter the memory just a bit to match whatever need we bring to the memory. The truth is we never get it completely right. There are more pieces and variables to human stories than we will ever know. And when we are fully in eternity, we'll be amazed at our misconceptions about earth and its people, but it will no longer matter because spiritual memories are what brings us to the truth and merge into God's future. We will be overjoyed to discover how wrong we were about some things. We will be overjoyed. We will be thrilled to learn that what we thought was hatred was misunderstanding. What we thought was negativity was really fear. And the truth will completely set us free. And all of this is a prelude to the account of the woman at the women at the tomb. Their memories had to be reclaimed or they would go under. The violent end to their savior's life left them stressed and anxious and beyond depressed. And their hope in the savior had been shattered but they were about to encounter truth and truth that would recreate their lives, hope realized beyond what they hoped for. And some of us are fans of HGTV home renovation shows. And often when the dazzling home renovation is revealed for the first time, and the owners or the clients see it for the first time, they gasp when they see the beautiful house and say, this is beyond what we hoped for. This is more than we dreamed about. This is beyond hope. And we love this because it's not a feeling people have all that often. The women had their hopes dashed only to come face to face with the reality that was beyond what their hopes could even allow. It began early Sunday morning and they went to the grave to ritualistically treat Jesus's body with spices but when they arrived, they found the stone which had covered the entrance to the cave-like tomb was rolled away. And then they entered the tomb and they did not find the body of Jesus and the tomb was empty. And while they were wondering about this, two men appeared in dazzling white. And other gospel accounts called them angels or one angel, but human memory trying to grasp spiritual reality Failed. People do not report the same details in eyewitness accounting, and we know this. But one thing that never varied was the spiritual memory. Every single account is very clear, but there was no one in that tomb. The tomb was empty, and the two men appeared gleaming in white, and the women bowed down their faces to the ground, 
And the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? What a question. Let's think about it for just a second. Why do we look for life in death? Dead habits, dead ideas, dead relationships, dead activities. Why do we look for life in the wrong places? Why do we you look for the living among the dead and then the words are said, he is risen. Remember how he told you, they said, while he was still with you in Galilee, that the son of man must die and be delivered into the hands of sinful man and be crucified and on the third day be raised again. And then they remembered his words. Why didn't they remember this earlier? He told them more than once. Everything Jesus said had power and congruence. Wouldn't they remember him saying, I'll be crucified, but after three days, I will be raised from the dead? They did remember somewhere in their being, but sometimes our earthbound selves just can't handle spiritual truth. They were deeply affected by the world around us. And we live in an age of bombardment, social media, everything that just comes at our senses. And we have to really work at keeping spiritually connected and spiritually alive. And they, as I said earlier, when they were at the tomb, were shattered. They had just seen the mob activity and the violence and the torture of one they loved. So they could not remember his words because they could not access hope. And it's impossible to fake it, to fa have a heartfelt, joyful response when there is no hope. They lost so much. The truth is, is that they had been loved and understood by Christ in a way they had never known. But in their minds, they couldn't reconcile to the fact that he had let them down. So his extreme statements were banished to the dark, dark part of their hearts until now when the men in gleaming white said, don't you remember, he is risen. And then they remembered, not in blotchy memories of wounded soul, but they remembered everything. And it's what characterized my own death experience, which led to the ministry. Every single thing I had ever learned or known about Christ was there, even things that I didn't know I knew. A lot has always been said about spiritual conversion, and it's important, and we can't say enough about it. But what about spiritual reawakening? We can be spiritually unavailable, and then we remember just who Christ is, what his promises are, and we wake up. A group of us visited a beloved church member at the end stages of Alzheimer's a couple of, I guess, maybe a month ago. And in our group were people from the choir singing familiar hymns and familiar passages and the Lord's Prayer. And she woke up, not in a dramatic way, but her lips began to move with the music and her eyes began to flutter. And I can't make a greater case for spiritual memory because her human memory was gone. Christ, whatever is of the spirit in you, can be strengthened, can be empowered, can be expanded and live forever. They remembered his words and came back to the disciples acting like lunatics. The Greek word is kind of out of their minds. 
and told the disciples what they had heard and seen and knew. But the disciples did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. But Peter did run to his, the tomb to check it out and answered and discovered what the church has discovered. And that is, is that he is alive and he is with us. Jesus Christ is alive and he is with us. And head knowledge about Christ isn't enough. We need more than that. He is willing to reveal his earthly presence to us in so many ways, ceaselessly. He is around us trying to get our attention. He is alive. And often when he does get our attention, it's too good to be true. And we have a hard time believing it, but somehow we can't wipe the smiles off our faces because we know that ultimate truth and hope exists. We know that this life is a gift and we are to live it fully, but there is so much more. We know, and it's a joy too deep to contain. We need him to be agents of his reconciliation in the world. We need him to offer his love to everyone, to every group, to every person. And we need to serve him in ways that are not limited by fear and never-ending doubt and cynicism. We need him to heal. We need him to forgive. We need him to love us so that we may love freely. The spiritual memories are the future. There's no dividing line. Spirituality has no limits or restriction. He is here now and he's always been with us. Let us pray. Lord, we need you, we love you, we thank you for what you did.